welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. Well, good morning, church. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor Nate, uh, and I'm pastor of student ministries here at the church. Um, So, for, for some of you, you might be like, what does pastor of student ministries mean? Uh, it means that I have a very large job description. I look after all of our kiddos from around six months old all the way up to grade 12, which is really, really cool in some ways. In some ways, it's a lot of work and overwhelming, uh, but it presents itself with a lot of really cool um, opportunities. And, and these are opportunities that not most people don't ever get within their lives. So one such one of these opportunities uh, came up about four weeks ago, and I got the chance to lead nine students to accept Christ into their lives, which is absolutely incredible. Yeah. It was a pretty cool moment. It was pretty surreal. And it, also, it was also really cool how that came about, why, why we ended up doing that at youth. So I was getting ready for youth. I was making sure that my message was completely ready and that I felt, felt good about what I was going to say. And as I was getting ready, I felt a prompting to give space at the end of my talk uh, to invite those who wanted to, to accept Jesus into their life. And as I felt that prompting, I just kind of sat there for, for a minute and listened and realized that up until this point, being here at Beaver Lodge Alliance Church, I hadn't really given space as a group, like as a whole group, um, to accept Christ into their lives as a youth group, uh, unless it was happening within their small groups. I had never done that from our little stage that we have in our youth room. So fast forward to that night as I was finishing up my talk. um, At this point, I hadn't fully decided if I was actually going to do that because it was something that was terrifying to me. (laughs) Um, But So as I was finishing up uh, my talk, I felt the Spirit prompting me again to open that space for for students to accept Christ. And honestly, I was really nervous. I had no idea what was gonna happen, but I decided that I needed to listen to what I felt Holy Spirit was telling me. And in the end, I ended up having nine students accept Christ, all because I was willing to listen to the Spirit and let him guide me. And this is what we're gonna be talking about this morning, Spirit-led prayer and ministry. We've been going through a series called One Step Further, and we've had uh, we, we've looked more into fasting, the fatherhood of God, the way of Jesus, and now t- this morning what it looks like to have spirit-led prayer. But before we dive into what that is specifically, I want to spend just a brief moment going over who Holy Spirit is and what prayer is. So before we quickly look at who Holy Spirit is, I, I do want to add that for, for, for the sake of time, I'm not going to be going over every single detail about who Holy Spirit is because we could spend multiple different weeks talking about just that. Um, I'm just going to be quickly talking about, you know, the aspects of Holy Spirit uh, that are going to be very prevalent this morning. And then also, for some of you, this this is going to be the perfect amount of information that I give you this morning. For others of you, it's going to potentially raise a lot of different questions. Um, So I just encourage you, if you end up having more questions about who Holy Spirit is after I'm done talking this morning, talk to somebody that you know who has a good understanding of who Holy Spirit is. Talk to one of our elders. Talk to one of our pastors. We'd love to have that further conversation with you. 
So who is Holy Spirit? He's one of the three persons of the Trinity, the one who dwells within us and is the closest person in the Trinity to us. Holy Spirit is the one who provides us with the spiritual gifts. And we can see that in 1 Corinthians 12, like Greg mentioned this morning. We can see that in Romans 12 and in Ephesians 4. He's the one who provides with, with all of those different giftings. He gives us the, the fruit of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, as seen from Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And all of those things, all of the fruit of the Spirit are things that you get whenever you're operating within the Spirit. He gives us wisdom, similar to what I shared with my story about youth, the wisdom to know what you need to bring forward, to know when to speak and when not to speak. He imparts righteousness, and he, convict, he convicts us of our, of our sins. And we can see this in John 16, verse 8, where Jesus says, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. So he's going to come and convict us of that sin and bring that up and point out the areas in our lives that we need to bring towards Christ. But through that conviction of sin, he invites us into a deeper intimacy with our Father. So that's a brief overview of who Holy Spirit is. Now, that's not very much information, but I believe that it's enough for what we need this morning. So what is prayer? Again, I'm not going to spend much time in this area. We recently went through a series called Practicing the Way, focusing on what prayer is. So if you weren't here for that series, uh, I'd encourage you to go back, listen to all of those messages. Um, if you were here for parts of it and you missed a couple weeks, again, I'd encourage you to go and listen to the weeks that you missed because it was a fantastic series and a great way to learn how to go into a deeper prayer life. But in that series, uh, we looked at four different stages of prayer all of which were different ways that we can pray, and also a good starting point for those who might have a really hard time with prayer and not entirely sure where to start. And the stages that we looked at were um, talking with God, and as we talked through that week, we looked at what the Lord's Prayer was. That was a fantastic foundation, a fantastic starting point. It's how Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, and in turn is a way that we can learn how to pray. Then we walked through talking with God, and really what, what we talked about there was simply in telling God what's on your mind. To go to him and be like, God, these are all the things that I'm thinking of and I'm just gonna bring them to you and just talking with him through those things. The third thing that we talked about was listening to God, just simply allowing him to speak to our, to our hearts and to our minds. And then the fourth thing was being with God, to simply be in his presence, to just be with him in love. So Holy Spirit is the one who dwells within us to give us the spiritual gifts, fruit of the Spirit, wisdom, righteousness, convict, of, convict us of sins, and to draw us deep, into deeper intimacy. And prayer is talking with and to God, listening to God, and then being with him. So what is Holy Spirit-led prayer then if we combine those two things together? As I was getting ready for my sermon this morning, uh, Pastor Greg asked me, how would I answer that in a short sentence? And I honestly didn't know. He asked me that question, and I was like, Greg, I have no idea how I would answer you. I couldn't think off the top of my head what that was, how I could sum that up really easily. And as I was talking with him, I realized that I wasn't able to answer that question because I was trying to look for times in the Bible that explicitly said, spirit-led prayer is fill-in-the-blank. 
And if you try and do that, you're not going to find anything. You're not going to find any simple, quick definition within the Bible. But the way to know what Holy Spirit, uh, what Spirit-led prayer is, is to look at the different stories in the Bible and to see how Holy Spirit is working throughout those stories. So that's what we're going to do this morning. So first we're going to look at Acts 15. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, it's the Council of Jerusalem. And in this story, uh, we can see that there's a dispute going on uh, in Antioch. The dispute was that in order to be saved, you had to be circumcised. So it was the Jewish people, uh, specifically the Pharisees, who were coming forward being like, if the Gentiles want to be saved, if the Gentiles want to have Jesus, they have to be circumcised. And they were not budging on that. And the Pharisees were teaching that as an absolute, that there's no two ways about it. The dispute was with the Pharisees between, so with the Pharisees and then also Paul and Barnabas, who believed otherwise. And for those of you who don't know, Paul himself was a Jew. So he, he grew up the same way that these Pharisees would have, but he held to a different belief. They, so as they were having this dispute, Paul and Barnabas disagreed, and Paul and Barnabas were then sent to go see the apostles and the leaders to discuss this question uh, with uh, leaders and uh, apostles in Jerusalem. And when they got there again, they were confronted with being told that if the Gentiles wanted to be saved, that they must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. So in a number of different areas, Paul and Barnabas were, were confronted with this belief that you have to do this if you want to be saved, that you have to physically do this one thing to be saved. Now this is where we see the Spirit-led ministry. In this moment, Paul and Barnabas were given the wisdom by Holy Spirit to know how to approach the council. So I don't know about you guys, when, when you get into a disagreement, it can be really easy to be hard-headed. It can be really easy to be like, this is the right way, and I'm just going to disagree with you until you listen, and I'm going to be a, as, as aggressive as I need to be sometimes. But Paul and Barnabas responded this way. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made the choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the hearts, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between that, us and them, for he purified hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. Could you imagine being able to respond that kindly to them? Just out of your own thoughts, out of your own strength? But because they were given wisdom on what to say and when to approach the council, they were able to, the council was then able to agree with Paul and Barnabas. But just imagine how different that things could have turned out if they didn't have that wisdom from the Holy Spirit. Things would have been potentially likely a lot different for all of us today, but it also would have been really different for the people in that moment. But because of the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, things changed. Now let's look at John 4. It's the story of the Samaritan woman. In this story, we see two different pieces of spirit-led prayer. First, we see that Jesus received a word of knowledge about the woman. So for those of you who don't know this story, um, I should 
probably quickly go over that. Uh, so for those of you who don't know this story, um, basically Jesus goes into the town, he goes to the well, and there's a Samaritan woman there. And Jesus asks the woman, will you draw me some water? And Samaritans and Jews don't associate with each other. They're two very separate people who don't interact. And this woman was kind of taken aback of, why is this Jewish man talking to me, let alone asking me for water? And they have an interaction, and Jesus imparts a word of knowledge knowing that she has had many husbands. And then he goes on and explains that, uh, that she can be forgiven, that she can be saved, and that Jesus is there. He is the living water. And then she goes and tells uh, the rest of the town. So the first piece that we see is that Jesus receives that word of knowledge about the woman. He knows that she has had many husbands. So uh, just quickly, Philippians 2.7 tells us that Jesus was fully human on earth. Meaning that Jesus was, when Jesus was interacting with this woman, he wouldn't have known anything about her. He might have known that she was a Samaritan, would have obviously known that she was a woman, but outside of that, Jesus would have had no prior knowledge as to who this woman was, what her background was. But the Spirit gave Jesus knowledge uh, about this woman so that he would be able to minister to her in a way that she would be able to actually accept that and understand it. On top of receiving this word of knowledge of the woman, Jesus responded to the woman with compassion. And that compassion, as I t said earlier, is one of the fruit of the Spirit. It could have been easy for Jesus to respond in a really different way. But because of the Spirit, because the Spirit was leading Jesus in his interaction, he responded with compassion towards this woman. And because he had compassion, the Samaritan woman was able to receive the words that Jesus was saying. So again, we know that Jesus was a very godly man, that he was a perfect man, but I feel like there's probably times where Jesus would have been really dismissive, could have been dismissive of people. Of like, oh yeah, you've been sinful. I'm Jesus, go on your way, tell people about me. Could have been easy, but Jesus saw the woman. He really saw her. He understood her. And he was able to show the compassion that she needed that she, she had not received from anybody, let alone other Christians. So that's how we see spirit-led prayer and ministry within that passage that Jesus received knowledge about this woman and then was able to respond in compassion. In the prophecy of Simeon, uh, in Luke 2, uh, 25 to 35, we again see spirit-led prayer and ministry in a couple of different ways. First, Simeon heard the voice of the Holy Spirit in verse 26, where it says, it had been revealed to him by Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Then, because Simeon had heard the voice of the Spirit, he waited in hopeful expectation for the day that he was promised to see Jesus. He, he knew that the voice that he was hearing was Holy Spirit, that it was a promise. Then the second instance we see the Spirit-led prayer in this story is when Simeon receives, the, or when Simeon prophesies over Jesus. So Simeon received a message from the Spirit that, from the Spirit that says Jesus was a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of God's people of Israel, and that he is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Again, this prophecy isn't just 
wants a hopeful anticipation of what Jesus will do. Simeon knew that the baby who was coming was Jesus, that he was going to be the Messiah, and he had hope of what was going to happen. But to say these words specifically, he would have had no clue that these are what Jesus was going to do. So he prophesied over them. He, those words were from Holy Spirit to say over Jesus in his life. We know that this is prophecy given through the Spirit because we see throughout the New Testament that all of what Simeon said came true through the life and ministry of Jesus. And then one more spot that we can see Spirit-led prayer and ministry uh, is through the conversion of Saul in Acts 9, verses 3 to 19. Saul was a man who persecuted many Christians. When he was traveling to Damascus, uh, he heard the voice of Jesus telling him to go see Ananias. And Saul knew that this was the voice of Jesus speaking to him, and he listened uh, to what he said. So in this encounter, uh, there was a bright light, and then after, after Jesus was done speaking to him, Saul was blind and was told to go find Ananias. While Saul was traveling to Ananias after his encounter with Jesus, he was completely blind. But when he eventually met with Ananias, his eyesight was, was restored through the power of the Holy Spirit. So again, there's two ways there. First, he heard the voice of the Spirit. He heard and he knew and he listened. Second, we see healing. When we have Spirit-led prayer, we receive healing. So each of these stories are different ways that we can see spirit-led prayer. And through these, we can see that spirit-led prayer means receiving words of knowledge, healing, prophecy, and words of wisdom for ministering to others and to increase our own intimacy with the Father. So what does that actually look like for us? It's all well and good to be able to read through Bible stories and see and know those things, but what does that actually look like for us? As we've seen from these different stories, uh, there are kind of two different spaces that we encounter spirit-led prayer. And those two spaces are through ministering to others and as individuals. So in ministering to others, uh, when, when we're operating in spirit-led prayer, we're operating through the gifts of the spirit. Specifically, we're operating through the gifts seen in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, verses 4 to 11, which say, there are, there are different kinds of gifts, but the, same are, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of services, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous power, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. And all these are the work of one, one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines." So I want to point out one thing from that. When we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, we often talk about how each and every single person receives specific gifts. 
that each person, and likely some of you have done spiritual gift testings, and it's like, these are the spiritual gifts that you have, which is fantastic. It makes it potentially a little bit easier to operate in ministry and to operate in life. But I would argue that the gift is actually the spirit, not necessarily the actual product of what that looks like. And that's why I would call them the gifts of the spirit, not spiritual gifts, but the gifts of the Spirit, because it's what the Spirit is giving you in the times that are needed. The Spirit can manifest himself in different ways depending on the specific circumstances. As we minister to others, we can flow through different expressions. One time we could be operating through prophecy, and the next time we could be imparting words of wisdom or of knowledge. So in other words, there aren't necessarily uh, gifts that we are constantly operating in, but we flow in and out of them, given to us by the Holy Spirit for specific times. If that wording is a little bit confusing to you, think of it more of like a dance. When people dance, it flows, and for the most part, is smooth and something that's quite beautiful. A dance always kind of makes some kind of sense, but rarely do two dances look the same. And that's part of what brings dancing its beauty. The same is for spirit-led prayer when ministering to somebody. When we flow in and out of different uh, giftings as the Holy Spirit guides, it will likely look different every single time. Even if you're operating within the same vein from one instance to another, it will look different because the person and the circumstances in which you're ministering are going to be different. And it always ends in something beautiful because we're allowing the Spirit to move and speak through us to benefit those that are around us. As we're ministering to others, we will also be showing the fruit of the Spirit. When operating through the Spirit and allowing the Spirit to lead us in ministry and prayer, it's impossible to stay away from the fruit of the Spirit because the fruit of the Spirit are describing exactly who the Spirit is. He is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. An example of spirit-led prayer when ministering to others um, is from my time in, on the mission trip to Mexico City last summer. Uh, we, were, we were doing some street ministry, which uh, is not something that we do very much here, but we went and did some street evangelism at the hospital, and as we were coming back, uh, we encountered a couple on the street. Uh, the leaders of the church in Mexico knew who this couple was. The rest of us had no hot clue who they were. They were just some random people in Mexico City. Um, but it was a mother and father and their little daughter. And our entire group was stopped. Uh, there was probably at least 30 of us. And our entire group stopped like right in front of like this little market, blocking everything. And the, the leader of the church from Mexico turned to me and was like, hey, Nate, I want you to come and pray for this family. I was like, why, why would you ask me? I don't speak enough Spanish to pray over them in Spanish. They're not going to have any clue what I'm saying. I didn't say that out loud. That's just kind of what was going on in my head. So I was like, oh, okay, I guess if, if you want the white guy to go pray over the Mexicans, I'll go pray over them. So I walk up, and uh, as I begin to pray, I just look down into the stroller. Sorry, I'm going to choke up because the story was really, really cool to me. Um, I looked down into the stroller, and there was just a little girl laying there. And I just 
I started praying, and as I started praying, this little girl sat up in her stroller and just locked dead, dead eyes with me. Not dead eyes. Locked, locked me dead in the eyes. And the entire time that I prayed over her, she was, she was looking, and it felt like she was just staring into my soul. I have no idea the words that I prayed over her. I know that I prayed something over her, but I also know that the words that I was praying over her, she knew what I was saying. I don't know how she knew what I was saying because she doesn't speak a lick of English. She hardly spoke Spanish because of how little she was. But she was staring into my eyes and she knew that I was saying what I was saying. The second that I was done praying for this little girl and started to pray over her parents, she laid back down and was totally peaceful. She knew the second that I was done praying for her. The only way that she would have known that and the only way that she would have received those words was because I was operating through spirit-led prayer. Those words that were spoken weren't mine. The way that she received them wouldn't have been possible just through me. It was only possible because the Spirit was speaking to her through me. Spirit-led prayer is a power and beautiful thing, as you can tell by me choking up over this story. Spirit-led prayer also happens when we're alone. It, doesn't, it isn't something that is strictly to ministering towards others. Let's look at Romans uh, 8.26. Or, yeah, eight. Words are not working for me now, sorry. Romans chapter 8, uh, verses 26. If I can find that in my Bible now. So that says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. When we don't know what to pray and we don't, know, don't have the words to say what's going on within our hearts and our minds, Holy Spirit is going to help guide us and intercede for us. When we allow Holy Spirit to lead our prayer, He's also going to convict us of our sins. He's not going to condemn us. Condemnation comes from, from evil but he's going to convict us of our sins that we haven't yet sought forgiveness for. This isn't for us to feel bad about ourselves. This isn't for us to get down on ourselves and you know, start beating ourselves up because of things that we've done or said within our lives. But the Spirit brings to mind the places that we need freedom so we can further pursue our Father. He's revealing the things that are standing as a barrier between us and our Heavenly Father. And because he convicts us of those things, he's then pulling us and inviting us into a deeper intimacy with our Father because we're going to have fewer roadblocks standing in our way. And lastly, when we have spirit-led prayer as individuals, we get to hear his voice, however that looks for you. John, text, John 10 talks about how we are God's sheep and that we will hear and know his voice because he is a good shepherd. As we spend time in spirit-led prayer, we hear his voice and it becomes more and more familiar with how he speaks to us uniquely. A while back I had uh, spoken a message on just hearing God's voice. Each and every single person can hear his voice and he wants to speak to us. And he speaks to us in unique ways. Some of us are gonna see pictures, some of us will see or 
get words. Others will hear a voice. We can hear him through reading scripture. But as we spend time allowing the spirit to lead our prayer life, we're going to hear his voice. And as we engage in spirit-led prayer, we're also gonna be conducting ourselves the same way that Jesus lived his life. Both when we're operating in spirit-led ministry, but then also as individuals. It, we're gonna be operating the exact same way that Jesus led his life. As I mentioned earlier, when Jesus was on earth, he was made fully man. So when he was ministering to others, he was allowing the spirit to lead him. The same was true when he was off on his own. When Jesus would go into solitude to pray, he would allow the spirit to guide those times so that he could lean more into what his father had in store for him. And we get to do the same things. We're invited to do the exact same things. Now, spirit-led prayer isn't, is something that's gonna take a decent amount of time to start. It's a shift and surrender that we need to make. But as we shift and allow the Spirit to lead our prayer, we begin to receive those words of knowledge, of wisdom, of prophecy, and we grow in intimacy with the Father. So as we get ready to go into this last song, I have a challenge for you, and then we're gonna spend 30 seconds practicing what Spirit-led prayer is. So my challenge is this. What shift would you need to make to go from relying on your own thoughts and assumptions to allowing the Spirit to guide your prayer. What would that look like for you? What would need to change to allow the Spirit to do that? And as you think through that, we're gonna quickly practice what, what it looks like to have Spirit-led prayer. So, let's, so what we're gonna do is I'm just gonna pray and ask Holy Spirit what he has for us this morning, so let's pray. Holy Spirit, as we think about what we need to shift to make, what shifts we need to make in our hearts and our minds to allow you to empower and lead our prayer, what would you like to say to us this morning? So as we close off our service this morning, uh, we're going to create some space to continue to receive some spirit-led prayer and ministry. So this morning as we close our service, we're going to have some pastors and elders up at the front here. Um, and we're going to be ready and willing to listen to the Holy Spirit on your behalf. We'll spend about 30 seconds just asking, Holy Spirit, what do you have for whoever decides to come up? And then we're just going to sit and listen. And it might come in the form of a picture, it might come in the form of a word, but we just want to be able to minister to you to receive that this morning. So if you're interested, um, yeah, just come up once the service is over and we'll do that for you. So church this morning... As you go, I just encourage you to continue to look into what does spirit-led ministry look like for your life? What kind of shifts need to change? What kind of things need to be in place so that you can allow Holy Spirit to work in and through you? So I'm going to pray and then you'll be dismissed. So yeah, Jesus, we just know that you have more for us all the time. And we know that your spirit wants to move through all of us so Holy Spirit, we invite you into our hearts and into our lives. Point out the areas that we need to make a shift so we can encounter you and have a more spirit-filled life in ministry. In your name we pray, amen. So church, you are dismissed to love and serve the Lord. 
Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ and then make him known.